0: Welcome, you're listening to the Consensus State Change Podcast, an interview series inspired by the emerging decentralization phenomenon. Thanks a bunch for joining me on the State Change podcast. Simon, would you uh, mind introducing yourself and explaining what you do at Consensus?
1: Yeah, great. Uh, I am Simon de la Revere. I primarily work on two facets at Consensus: two products. One is tokenization in general. So I, I help build up some token standards and the tokens, tokens in Consensus. And um, I also work on Ujo, which is a music rights management platform.
0: And so can you explain what makes, uh, why you're interested in tokens and and what cryptographic tokens can do in the world today that we don't really, uh, we don't really see with any other mechanism?
1: It actually, it's been coming along for quite a while. One of the reasons why I initially started working on Ethereum was because uh, it made it like really easy to issue and create tokens. I mean, this was one of sort of the first examples that, um, you know, Ethereum, when they launched, they were like, hey, look at this, you can also create your own currencies. So this ca- this has been coming for a while because I like in twenty th- end of 2013 or somewhat i I saw Dogecoin come out the our lovable Doug cryptocurrency and realized like this is this is quite an interesting experiment because you know the currency survived not on its technical merits but just based on the fact that it represents a community of people and re- rep- represents an ethos. Uh, that, you know, it might represent, in Dogecoin's case, this funny, lovable community that cares about each other. Um, so I became really interested in the idea of the possibility of creating currencies for a lot of use cases and have it represent different kinds of communities. Um, that led me to sort of look at all these technologies in the beginning of 2014 and uh, realize almost nothing useful was available. So, you know, the only way I could actually experiment with this was to create my own cryptocurrency, my own bona fide altcoin. But, you know, that, that was uh, probably too early an experiment, and uh, it didn't quite succeed as I expected it would. But, you know, I, I could try this experiment. and I, And I realized there's probably a lot of people that want to try these kind of experiments, but they don't have, you know, Three to four weeks to you know learn the code base of you know Bitcoin or Litecoin to be able to fork it and create their own currency, and you know the economics of building something like that is not it's not obvious because you have to compete against you know mining powers of different altcoins and so forth, so you know it's all it's it's just not easy, so I initially became interested in tokens uh, in on Ethereum because I thought this would be a good way to let people experiment with it so what makes this different than, or like, why this is useful now, is that um, you, we, we realize that we can create digital assets or fungible units that can be used for almost any use case um, without there being a intermediary involved, or rather, um, uh, an institution that governs it um, separately. It's just a bunch of smart contract code that governs how this fungible unit um, works. Um, so. It means that people can easily create their own currencies and they don't have to, you know, trust the local issuer to not forge new currencies. Johnny at school can create his own Johnny Bucks and play with it. And it's incredibly easy and it's getting a lot easier now. So that's that's why I think it's uh, where I come from and I, where, where I think it could, could make an impact. I, I I just want to see more experimentation. I want to see people use cryptographic tokens to see what people come up with.
0: Uh, incidentally, what was the, uh, which was the altcoin that you produced?
1: <laughs> yeah, so this is quite interesting. Um, it was, a, you know, I didn't just want to create an altcoin just because and call it like something like, you know, Bucks or whatever. I wanted to experiment with something else as well. And what, what the hypothesis was that it should work in the same way Dogecoin works, which is the value of the currency is related to the community around it. So I decided to make a cryptocurrency called the Cypher Funks. It's a play on word on the Cypher Punks. Um, and what it was, was a decentralized <laughs> band. <laughs> it was a decentralized band. So the idea was that people would come together. Uh Anyone could be uh the Cypher Funks. You know, you didn't have to ask permission. You could make music under this name and people would then collaborate, remix, make new music and then. Uh, hopefully, it would like create enough of a network effect that people would use this currency amongst art- the artists involved in this project to be able to uh, bootstrap a network effect around this decentralized band. Um, it was it was quite an interesting experiment. I mean, it's probably one of the most stressful things I've ever done. <laughs> you know, I would wake up each morning just to check if the network is still alive, um, because you know this was uh, I didn't quite have the best technical chops, but I managed to be able to fork some code to be able to make it work. Uh, we had uh, at its peak, we had about more than like sixteen artists collaborating, and we've produced more than like a hundred songs. And there is still some, di- some die-hard fans <clears> left <throat> in the community. The, the Altcoin is still running, and I think last time I checked, it has a humongous market cap about, of about five dollars. <laughs> but uh, beep, 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 people are still excited <laughs> about the idea, and, and that's why you know I, I got interested in tokens initially, and the idea of creating communities in the blockchains because I still think the idea has merit and probably in the next 6 months i'm going to bootstrap the project again just to uh, on ethereum and just make it a lot easier for people to 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 play with this concept um make music together use a local currency among themselves and um add add additional functionality that ethereum makes just so easy to add because you know one of the things that made it difficult for me with the Flunks was all my development time was spent on just maintaining the code. Uh, I couldn't spend any time on building new features for people to use. And that's where Ethereum comes in. It's just so much easier and better to add new functionality. And a lot of it already exists. You know, we don't have to build a new decentralized exchange or whatever. So it's, I, I'm really curious to see it work again and just get it out there and see what happens.
0: <laughs> so this ties in considerably to your involvement with Ujo, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's you know I, I'm a hobbyist musician, and tying these two things together is like perfect match, you know. Because I definitely think that what you can do is also use the rights management platform in Ujo with the token of the community to have this sort of uh, you have this cl- collaborative DAO. Uh, these days, you know, back then, you know, no one called it DAOs, but now they do. But it would essentially be like an, a DAO of a bunch of artists that make music together. Once the music is done, you know, you can use different voting schemes for what people think is good music or whatever, you know, good samples and there and there. And then once the song is done, the the DAO would essentially own the rights to the songs. And hopefully it can then register it in Ujo and then make money for itself
0: in that manner. Wow. So this is pretty avant-garde stuff. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it is. <laughs> what other use cases do you see for tokens other than the uh, than the music uh, music DAO kind of idea? The beauty of the token thing is that it's it's pretty low level
1: as it stands. So, you know, f- since November, the community came together and defined this token standard, uh, which is just basically two kinds of functionalities for tokens and the rest are optional standards. So the, the core functionality is you're, you should be allowed to transfer this token uh, using a simple API and you should be able to approve someone else to transfer something on your behalf. So just those two two components could allow for quite some interesting experiments. On top of that, you know the one obvious thing that most people use it for now is in DAOs. You know the DAO that has been recently launched that uh, you know managed to attract few few not just a few million but you know a hundred and something million dollars. That's the 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 token standard is at the core of that DAO. You know it the the fact that that standard was defined. Allowed it, for example, to recently add, without any permission, a delegation contract. So people can easily delegate their tokens to vote on proposals. With um, without the, and, and the coders of these delegation contracts didn't have to ask permission. And this delegation contract will, will work now in the future for any kind of DAO that also uses the token standard. So there's a nice synergy there. Um, so you'll see things like shares. You I, I want to see more people just inventing currencies. You will also see tokens being used, for example, um, prediction markets. They have tokens in there as well where you buy and sell different outcomes. So that that also uses the token standard. For example, Gnosis uses it. Um, So you see tokens there. You will also see tokens in examples like energy, in energy where smart meters uh, generate kilowatt hours and then you can sell it to uh, your neighbors, for example. You know, the, the, these are things that I think will come um, in general. M- more more tokens will be used for various things. What I'm curious to see is probably more experiments with economics around tokens. Because currently it's sort of just, you know, the basic idea where you issue the token and then it's there. You know, it's out there in the wild. People transfer it and send it around, whatever. Um, I want to see more economic experiments where people uh, codify the way the token works in new and interesting ways. So one example is, let's create a token, a system, and it's like a random local currency. You put in this thing where there's a natural decay of value of the token, so that you essentially say to people, this is a this is a local currency, and uh, you have to spend it like at least once a week, otherwise you lose the money. You know, and it's not obvious what will happen or or if people will use it. It's just let's put it out there and see what happens. And uh, another example is, let's say. You want to have a token represent some luxury uh, item or like a luxury good. So what will happen is, let's say someone has ten thousand ether. That means they're quite rich, right? Then what you do is you put the ten thousand ether in a contract, and then you have to provably put it there for like six months. Once the six months is done, you can then mint, you know, a hundred luxury tokens. So those hundred luxury tokens is then essentially like a proof of work, but it's like a proof that you sacrifice something for six months not not using that money but at the end of it you get a representation of that um value that been that was stored essentially so those kind of things i'm I'm curious to see i, I want to see more people experimenting with sort of new and interesting economics
0: those are really interesting uh interesting ideas it's kind of like a uh, a kind of uh, a proof of lost optionality i suppose
1: some some people would say hey uh you know this it is this something valuable to have that provably logged and registered? And then it creates a new token out of that? I don't know, you know. So, uh, oh, there, there's just another th- related to that is I want to also see people uh, use BTC Relay with tokens on Ethereum. So, BTC Relay, for those that don't know, allows you to verify Bitcoin transactions in Ethereum. So, what I want to see, you can do it right now without any kind of trust required is you can provably burn a bitcoin and then have it be created on Ethereum. You can't get that Bitcoin back into Bitcoin, but you will be able to burn you are able able to burn a Bitcoin and have it then used in Ethereum. And it's kind of like a one-way portal into Ethereum. And you know the question is if it's a one way portal, would it would it maintain its equivalent value? Uh, I'm not sure. You know people might say, well, a Bitcoin is only useful if you can bring it back to Bitcoin, the ledger, who knows?
0: I wouldn't say that it is, uh, it is only useful if you can bring it back to Bitcoin. However, the loss of, uh, this comes back to optionality again, the loss of that option to return uh, to, to have access to that Bitcoin on Ethereum would presumably count against the market value of the Bitcoin representing token on the Ethereum network. I think this is this is one of those big questions about the two way peg and linking chains, and it's something that is it's something that's really uh, really puzzled me with with um, both with side chains and with uh, BTC Relay itself because you cannot import the state of another chain, you cannot easily import the state of one chain into another without the use of a centralized or semi centralized intermediary.
1: There will be risk involved and I, I think what will happen is the market will price will price that risk in. Uh you will be able to see what the market values this this the thing on different ledgers. Uh I th- I think a recent good example is how that risk gets priced in is looking at the DAO, um where the the token should maintain its peg value to the amount of ether it has in the DAO, but it's not. Now, there's a sort of like four to seven percent um it's trading four to seven percent below its peg or like below its floor and that's probably saying that the risk of doing this or keeping this equivalent value in a different container is the risk of four to seven percent you know so if you port say bitcoin to a side chain then it's it it might keep its value but the it i, I think it will Probably traded different values just to reflect the risk of doing doing that. I I guess.
0: So I I have an interest. I have a question for you, uh Simon. I've been reading the blog of CoinFund.io. It's a uh, CoinFund is a a kind of investment fund for cryptocurrencies. And in the blog, they have a post called "Yench Radiation." The Dow is slowly leaking Ether, and the um the crux of what uh, the author jake Bruckman is uh, is talking about is that because there is this gap in the value of uh, DAO tokens and the value of ether there's an arbitrage opportunity for people who buy tokens split and then use those that ether to buy DAO tokens again split and Enjoy that uh, that four to four to how, what what did you say it was four to eight uh, percent? Yeah,
1: well, it fluctuates, but it's currently about you know it fluctuates between four to eight percent. Yeah,
0: yeah, and 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 enjoy that uh, and enjoy that uh, that arbitrage opportunity. Is this you know this sounds like a like a really um, like kind of a serious issue?
1: I mean, the it like I said previously that. That arbitrage, or like why it exists, is the risk people will have to, to take on to be able to get that ether out of there. Um, so, if if you say, well, you know, this seems like the easiest 8% I can ever make displaying this arbitrage, then you have to consider the time it takes to split off that ether. Um, and then you have to also consider uh, the other issues like the stalker attack, um, where uh, I'm not entirely sure how the stalker attack works, but it's essentially that it. It makes it, it it just it just means that you know a, a troll can like keep um, stalking you so that you can't get your ether out yourself um, as far as I understand it, which means that it's it's not that you will get it out you will get it out eventually, but it might just take so long that it's pointless to do that so you what that four to eight percent risk then means is like it's, it's the risk that you will have to take considerable amount of time to get that ether out.
0: And so it's that, uh, that time, I guess that brings us back to the uh, lost optionality. That time is, is priced in as well.
1: Exactly, yeah, exactly.
0: Okay, so that's enough about the DAO because we could actually go on about the DAO forever. Uh, <laughs> but um, <laughs> It is so, fascinating. <laughs> it is incredible. It's, it's absolutely amazing. Um, so what, So Simon, what uses of tokens do you see coming up that you find particularly interesting? I mean, DA, the DA,
1: is like having it form part of DAOs is, is, is I think where we'll see most of the, the uptake in the next, next um, few months to a year. I think we still need to see uh, a good enough and proper decentralized exchange. You know, for now there's um, only on, on Ethereum itself, there's only the over the, over the counter markets or the over the counter contracts. Um, you can go look at some of them. Uh, Make, Maker uses them. Where tokens will go. I mean, it's, this this is something that I'm I'm uh, questioning myself, and I think it it uh, it, it will probably only happen uh, how people adopt and use tokens in the time going forward. Because one of the projects I'm working on that should launch soon is the Token Factory, which is just it's a simple DApp that allows people to easily create their own tokens that conforms to these standards, and then you'll be able to just use it like a token wallet. You'll be able to send your tokens around and improve other people to use it. The question is how much of the tokens on Ethereum will be look exactly like something like a currency or will it actually be used um, or absorbed into a lot of the other functionality? You know, if, if the, the tokens that are used, for example, in DAOs will most likely always have additional functionality like being able to uh, vote on proposals and that voting thing is not part of the token standard, for example. So you know either either we'll see a sort of dashboard emerge where people can just you know trade or trade and send these things around maybe in a decentralized exchange or a token wallet but i think most of their functionality will probably be absorbed into other kinds of dapps it will be sort of this invisible layer where uh you can uh you can easily measure value between the different tokens um i i still hope to see you know, I, I think autom- automating the token layer it would be would be very interesting. Um, meaning that, you know, if you, uh, I've always had this idea in my head that, uh, and probably one of the reasons why I got into tokens as well is that if it's easy to be able to create a digital asset that represents something of value, and you give a program the uh, the possibility to automatically trade it, then hopefully we might see some things where. Um, more and more networks of value like say your local coffee shop or your you know your starbucks loyalty points kind of thing just like uh sort of explode like there would be so many more our tokens tokens of value floating around and then they will all just automatically sort of trade against each other based on people's interests people's like risk profiles it would be sort of this very automatic Flow of value that occurs, and the reason why I think that's exciting is that if we can manage to create more wealth creation opportunities for more people, then you know hopefully it means that we create more agency through that. In a world where we all know that technology will eventually sort of you know um, destroy a lot of jobs, so token automation I think will be a big part of that. Just just getting that stuff out there and making sure that the programs that trade on your behalf can sort of fluctuate these tokens in a lot sort of grander, bigger scale.
0: And that's really interesting uh, because I've always wondered how the technologies we're developing at Consensus might be, uh, might be used to mitigate some of the workforce automation that's, that's taking place and, uh, and possibly solve uh, problems of wealth distribution.
1: Yeah. I mean, like one of the examples is, um, say, Martin Kuppelman's um, Circles Project, which is it, it also has tokens at its base, uses the token standards, and it's a, and it's a a new kind of uh, universal basic income system. Um, so you know, it's I it I I think you know that that's why it's exciting to see, say, the DIO suddenly raise one hundred fifty million dollars, because we've always talked about these things and say like, hey, wouldn't it be cool if this and that can happen? And it will only it will only be test it if we actually just get around to it. So you know, and we're sort of at that cusp and inflection point where the stuff will become easy enough and good enough that a lot of people will just start experimenting with it. And that that's gonna come in the next six months. It's it it might be that this kind of blockchain technology and Ethereum in general just exacerbates the current wealth divide, but I think just putting the power in people's hands to sort of create their own wealth creation opportunities, which is like DAOs and crowd sales and so forth would hopefully mitigate this.
0: Uh, is there uh, do you have any links or, or can, can people follow you on Twitter or anything like that?
1: Yeah, I'm i uh, I'm pretty active on Twitter. Uh, my handle is Simon DLR and um, I, I really enjoy Twitter. So come talk to me there, uh, find me there. Uh, give me like, we could share ideas and so forth and uh Thanks. Thanks, Arthur.
0: (laughs) No worries. Thanks for listening to State Change. Check out consensusmedia.net for more.